you looking to take your team to the next level and lead to your full potential? Then Leading with Purpose is the show for you. It's an hour of empowerment with your host, Nathan R. Mitchell. Nathan is a business and leadership development coach, public speaker, and author. He's also the founder of Clutch Consulting and a member of the John Maxwell team. Nathan's purpose in life is to empower others, and that's how he helps businesses and leaders grow. He specializes in leadership training, improving communication in the workplace, and creating high-performance teams. So join Nathan and this week's guest as they provide you with the information and tools you need to effectively lead yourself and others. It's time for Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. Here is your host, Nathan R. Mitchell. Hey, welcome to Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. I am your host, Nathan R. Mitchell. You know, I'm excited you're spending a portion of your day with us because I know your time is valuable, but we have a great show lined up for you tonight with a great, great guest who I will be introducing to you just shortly. And before I share something with you that's been on my mind recently, which I do each and every week, I want to let you know that in addition to listening in live to tonight's broadcast, you can always download the podcast directly from iTunes or by visiting us on the web at leadingwithpurposeradio.com. I also encourage you to get plugged in to what's going on at my company, Clutch Consulting, by visiting me on the web at www.clutchconsulting.net. You'll find plenty of great content on leadership development, effective communication, and talent management to help you lead yourself, and more importantly, so you can effectively lead others and achieve superior performance, grow your business, and empower your team. You know, leadership, at the end of the day, it's just plain hard work. You know, I don't let anybody tell you differently. However, in my professional opinion, it can also be one of the most rewarding lines of work that there is. You know, with that being said, as a leader, our primary role is to serve, mentor, and coach those who follow us. But as you and I both know, there's, there's always a lot of tasks that need to get done as well. And some of them are mundane. Trust me, I know. So how do we manage that? I mean, how do we make sure there are enough hours in the day to get it all done when you and I have the same number of hours available to us? How can we maximize our day in order to make sure that we perform at a high level? In other words, how can we harness our time to get some of our most important work done? And in the case of leadership, that's serving those that we lead. And what about all the use of technology that we have available to us today? Does it make us more efficient? Does it distract us? Well, if you're listening in tonight's broadcast, I promise you, you're in for a real treat because tonight I'm talking with Dr. Josh Davis. And Josh is the author of Two Awesome Hours, Science-Based Strategies to Harness Your Best Time and Get Your Most Important Work Done. His degrees include a Bachelor's of Science from Brown University in Mechanical Engineering and a Ph.D. from Columbia University in Psychology. He was an engineer for several years before turning to teaching in a Brooklyn public high school and then moving on to doctoral work. His academic publications pertaining, pertaining to embodied cognition, emotion regulation, and the neuroscience of emotion have appeared in leading journals such as Emotion, neuroimage and topics in cognitive science, and he has received funding from the National Science Foundation as well. Uh, he was term assistant professor in the Department of Psychology at Bernard College of Columbia University for five years. He has also taught at Columbia University and New York University as well. His academic work has been reported on by numerous news outlets, and he has been quoted in Scientific American and the New York Times. Currently, Josh is the director of research and lead professor for the Neuro Leadership Institute. 
There he guides strategy for and oversees the translation of scientific findings into actionable principles for tackling organizational needs. He also leads educational programs for the Institute. His work applying neuroscience and psychology findings to business or organizational challenges has appeared in blogs or articles for the Harvard Business Review, Strategy Plus Business, Training and Development, People and Strategy, the Neural Leadership Journal, and Psychology Today. His articles in Strategy Plus Business have been among the annual top 10 most popular. He co-edits the Neural Leadership Journal. He also coaches and trains individuals in the art of public speaking and managing being overwhelmed. And I know that's a mouthful. It's a lot. But Dr. Davis, welcome to tonight's show, my friend. It's an honor to have you on board with us. Thank you so much. It's really nice to be here. You bet. Hey, listen, I know I shared your bio uh, in, in the last few moments here on the call, but every week that I do a, do a show, I always want to ask my guests, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your background? How did you get into the realm uh, of business and leadership? And specifically in your case, how did you get into that realm from a neuroscience perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, um, you know, what's really, what really drives me about it is I love teaching and uh, I was looking for ways to teach Outside of the university, I was looking for ways to reach an audience I might not otherwise. I was looking for ways to, um, you know, connect with people who could actually change the way, you know, work gets done. So much of what people do these days is spend their, you know, their, so much of their time is devoted to their work. So much of their social life is, you know, has to do with the people they're spending time with at work. Um, you know, it's become such a major part of our lives. And so, I wanted the opportunity to work with people who had influence over that community. So I, you know, I sought out. That's how I actually ended up uh, connecting with the Neural Leadership Institute in the first place. Discovered lots of opportunities there for uh, connecting with and teaching people in this realm about neuroscience and how they can use it. And for me, the for me the fun of it is is thinking about you know how can I help somebody come to an insight about you know, how their own mind works and how they can apply that. And so I do that in my teaching. I do that in my writing. I do that. I did that in my academic work. I do that at the Neuro Leadership Institute. So, so actually, it was, it was this sort of this love of the craft of teaching that, uh, that, that ended up getting me into the space of leadership, business and leadership. And then, uh, you know, it's been tremendous learning about that. There's, there's so many parallels between leadership and and teaching and parenting and it's just sort of sort of all these really interesting important parts of life that are so similar um so uh so anyway that's what got me into it uh, that may add a little bit of color yeah absolutely you know uh after graduating college with my with my undergrad degree in business management i actually got out into the corporate sector where i worked with a fortune 50 company in the pharmaceutical industry for for over 12 years and, and i left that oh about four or five years ago and got into the realm of uh, teaching myself in higher education, and I found it's one of those things that I think once it gets inside you, for one reason or another, it, it never leaves you. I mean, to some degree, I can't imagine my life uh, moving forward without having some aspect uh, of teaching. Do you find that to be the same for yourself? Oh, absolutely. Once I got a taste of it, that was it. I, you know, I, I knew that was it, what I wanted to be doing one way or another um, from that point on, uh, and uh, and I've continued to find different ways of doing it. Just you know, I just love getting inside the mind of another person to see how I can help them 
reach an insight that I've had or help them actually take an idea somewhere I've never taken it before. Um, you know, it's just sort of it's it's so interesting to figure out how to I guess grow grow help somebody grow their mind or grow each other's mind. Uh, endlessly interesting. You know, before we get into the to the nuts and bolts of your book, two awesome hours. Uh, you know, the the amount of work that we have to complete today. You know, it's it's. And you, I believe you even say it yourself on uh, on your website, twoawesomehours.com. You state that it's really reached unsustainable levels. And, you know, the first question I have for you, I mean, are we really working more than we did 30 or 40 years ago? Yeah, well, I think we are. Now, there's, I mean, there's some ways of approaching it by, um, you know, looking at results from pure research kind of, you know, that kind of in- industry research data. But there's also, I think there's a... Uh, there's a way in which, regardless of any statistics, that there's something that uh, where we're we're really we're working all the time now because due to technological changes, we now can be accessible at any point, and because we can be accessible at any point, and it's happened very rapidly, so you know we haven't really had time to adjust or think about the implications. Because we can be accessible at any point, we go ahead and check our email and send things to people last minute if we can. But what happens is the more we do that, the more we reward people for asking for things on a rapid turnaround and right away and at any time of day. And one of the things that's that's sort of virtually impossible for a human being to ignore is a social obligation. We are so, so dependent on our social structures, on the other people around us, on, you know, where we stand in a hierarchy how we fit socially into a group, that kind of information is tremendously important to a human being. And so if there's a sense at any point that there's a social obligation, that is going to really grab our attention. So we've got this scenario now where we can have social obligations to people at any point, any time of the day if we allow ourselves. So we have to learn, you know, the technology wasn't created to make that happen. It was created to make life easier. But because that's a consequence, because that's part of how our, our brains work, we have to learn to work with that and and disallow some of the contact sometimes and sort of just retrain one another, um, you know, and stop rewarding one another for, for uh, asking for things at any time of day. Yeah, I mean, anymore. I mean, I, I just recently upgraded to to an iPhone six, and and now on my iPhone six, I I'm able to determine whether or not people actually read my text messages or when they read my text messages. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, we got our first break here in a couple of minutes, but I mean, this level of accessibility, I mean, is it making work life balance completely obsolete for Americans today? It's making it that it's something that we have to do as a choice. It's making it that it's no longer something that can just happen or where you have a job where some jobs have it and some don't. There are definitely some jobs where people really do encourage that culturally, but it's something that we all have to take on our own now. We have to take responsibility for it now because technologically there is no, there's no reason why we couldn't be working at, at any moment. Yeah, I mean it's 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 right there at our fingertips uh, all the time, and so really what you're saying is we've got to be intentional. And I mean I, I'm getting to the point myself that when I'm you know enjoying a nice dinner with my family, I I'm leaving my cell phone in the car. Uh, mm. 
a lot of times. And knowing that if uh, if there's an emergency or something that requires my immediate attention, my, my wife will definitely have her cell phone. So, you know, I can always turn to her uh, if need be. But anyway, when we come back, I mean, we're already getting some great content here uh, from you, Dr. Davis. When we get back, uh, I want to talk about, you know, what's really driving this in organizations today? Is it really behind the organizational culture? Uh, and at the end of the day, I mean, are some of the challenges that we have economically, are they, are they forcing us into doing uh, more with less when it comes to, to our time. So we'll be right back here in just a moment. This is Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. I'm Nathan Mitchell with Dr. Josh Davis. We will be right back. Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio and your host, Nathan R. Mitchell returns after this short break. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Are you wanting to get better business results, better leadership skills faster? Then this is where you need to be. Welcome back to Leading with Purpose with empowerment coach and founder of Clutch Consulting, Nathan R. Mitchell. With more of today's insight for effective leadership, host Nathan R. Mitchell. Hey, welcome back to Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nathan Mitchell. Before we get back to our interview with Dr. Josh Davis, author of Two Awesome Hours, Science-Based Strategies to Harness Your Best Time and Get Your Most Important Work Done, I'd like to invite all of you listening into this episode right now to connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can do that the easiest. You can find all of my social media sites and connect with me by simply visiting us at Leading with Purpose radio.com. Josh, welcome back to the show. You know, right before the commercial break, uh, we were talking about your love of teaching. We were talking about how people today are 
devoted to work. We've talked about work-life balance and how our ability to be accessible at any point really has an impact on that. Uh, My question for you now is really from an organizational perspective, because I know you do leadership training and organizational consulting as well. Is it organizational culture that's really driving this, uh, this willingness for team members in the workplace to do this? There are organizations where it, they're absolutely supporting that kind of constant work around the clock. And there are some organizations, though, that are really experimenting with changes. Sometimes it's forced upon them, uh, like the, uh, the case of, um, oh, I think it was Volkswagen, a major organization in Germany where the union required that people not be allowed to have access to their emails after I think it was 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. or something like that until the next morning. Uh, but there are so so there is a range. But one of the things that we're seeing, you know, from an organizational perspective, if you're the leader of a team and you're thinking, well, you know, we've got so much work to do. You know, I've got so many things on my plate. Uh, I've got to delegate all these things. You know, everybody at every level has substantially more than they can possibly do. So naturally then, you're going to think, well, how can I get the most out of my people? And in principle, you know, if I could, you know, if I could get the same output every time they put an hour in, well, I should just try to get them working as many hours as I can and as many as they're willing, and I should get them, you know, having no downtime and sort of thinking of it like a conveyor belt, uh, you know, in in a factory, many years ago, that, you know, we just want this thing running constantly. We don't want any downtime, and and that way we're more productive because we're getting more of this same kind of work done. But for for a factory, that's fine. That works really well. But human beings just aren't machines like that. Human beings are very different in terms of productivity. We can, and when I say this, this won't be, you know, a magical revelation. I'm sure it'll be something everyone listening has experienced. We can have brief periods of being really productive. You know, I might have an hour when I I really figure out just exactly how to map out a chapter for my book. Or maybe you're trying to figure out who needs to be on a particular team in a project, right, or how you're going to put together a business plan. You know, there's some, some challenging project, right? And you could have a half hour, one hour, two hours, three hours, whatever, whatever it may be, a relatively brief period of time where you're just super productive and you're nailing it and you get the important work done enough that could even last you for the week sometimes. And then I don't know about you, I can have two or three days in a row where I'm being totally unproductive. And this is, right. this is how human beings work. So then the question is, well, if we're dealing with human beings, how do we get them to be most productive? And from a manager's perspective – or stepping up even higher from the leadership of an organization from their perspective. A question they can start to ask instead of how do we get people to put in the most hours and to have the least downtime is how do we get people to be their most productive for the important work and get to that stuff in a timely way? How do we get them to to really be at their best when they're doing their work so that we're not just wasting a lot of time and and that actually can be a way of having people who are more engaged, who are enjoying their work, who will have some work-life balance, and who are able to show up every day and really do some impressive work. And I certainly know for my team, people that I manage, I absolutely 
coach them to do, that I absolutely want them, when they're working, to be giving me their best, to be doing some really solid work. And we get some great work done together. So it, it's uh, when, there's, when the leadership shifts their perspective on how work gets done most effectively and starts focusing on helping people set up these brief periods of, of being highly effective, you know, working with human biology that way, then, then you can really have a change. And there definitely, this is something that, that definitely can be done. So we can do it for ourselves. We can also help anyone in our team, anyone beneath us in the organization. We can really support that kind of a culture. But I think it does take having a revelation, you know, an insight about the value of it. And so that's one of the things I've really tried to do in the book is to communicate from a scientific perspective, why it is that we work that way, as well as how we can set up the conditions to have those brief periods of being highly effective when we need to, sort of at will. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's how I look at it from the organizational perspective. Absolutely, we reinforce, we reinforce the kind of culture that's based on a factory, based on a machine or a computer. It's not based on how human beings work, but we really can. That is something that you can deliberately shift without it doesn't need to be hard work to shift it, but it does mean that you do need to know what things to change. You know, in your book, uh, Two Awesome Hours, Science-Based Strategies to Harness Your Best Time and Get Your Most Important Work Done, uh, you share five strategies that help busy people create the conditions necessary for at least two hours of great productivity each and every day. So, I mean, this really begins to talk about those brief periods of time uh, that you're talking, talking about. And this starts with recognizing our decision points, according to what I read in your text. And you know, what do you mean by this? And how much of a role does decision-making play in our ability to be productive? It is a, an absolutely critical part of the process. So this I put as the first strategy in the book because mastering this then allows you to take even more advantage of all the other strategies. So it's based on this idea. We're actually on autopilot most of the time. We are what are known as cognitive misers, meaning we will, we will take the easy way out if there's, if there's a way to use less mental energy to do something we will. And what requires less mental energy is something that's well-learned, a habit, the way that we usually do things. If we can just rely on well-learned habits, we will, unless it's not, no longer working for us. And when I say, you know, habits or being on autopilot, I don't mean that there's nothing conscious happening. I mean, right now, we're in conversation mode. You know, that's the type of autopilot. I'm not really thinking about all the other things on my list right now. My guess is you're not either. You know, right. when, when you're in a meeting, you're in meeting mode. Uh, and it can be very complex. A psychotherapist is in therapy mode when they're working. You know, a teacher is in teaching mode. When we're engaged in something or something that everybody does every day, email mode, you know, when we're engaged in something, we don't need to be consciously monitoring whether we should be doing the task and what else we might be doing. We can just, we can be focused on a much lower level. And it's very easy to get sucked in. It's, it's, in fact, very hard to willfully step out of autopilot. So autopilot is our default, and it keeps going until we hit a crossroad, until it no longer works. So, for example, I might be sitting and trying to write an article, and someone may come in and want to talk to me. 
At that point, I have a crossroads. Autopilot cannot handle the situation because there are two competing behaviors that are vying for my attention. So what happens is we bring on more conscious resources that we bring on, we activate more parts of our brain and the prefrontal cortex that allow us to have a more meta-awareness, more conscious resources available so that we can actually make a deliberate decision. But what happens in those moments when we're much more conscious of what's going on in the moment is that we, it tends to be unpleasant. We tend to be aware of time passing and feeling unproductive, even though it's much less time passing than when you're just on autopilot going along. Time doesn't get wasted in those moments in between tasks like that. Time gets wasted when we start on the wrong task. Because you get into autopilot, it could be an hour, it could be two hours before you kind of snap out of it and you have a chance. But when we come to these crossroads, when we bring these greater number of conscious resources online, we can make a decision. I like to call these decision points. They don't happen that often. You know, maybe a really good day, you'll find that you have 10 of them. You know, this is not something that, you know, it's happening all day long. So when they happen, we've got to seize them. We've got to really take advantage of them. We've got to learn to recognize when they're happening, give them a moment until we can kind of clear our heads a bit and remember what's actually important. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I have a presentation tomorrow. That's the most important thing right now. I really want to nail it. I do want the client to care, you know, and and I want to reach them and I have to, you know, like that's the most important thing. I know that. If you give me a chance to think about that when I'm not caught up in the middle of phone calls and emails and who knows what, you know, that's the most important thing. So being able to step back until I remember, oh, right, yeah, that's what I really want to do well on today, you know, then I can make a decision to act on that. So it's about creating these spaces or really capturing these spaces when we have the ability to make a decision about what to work on. And they only happen a few times. They happen right before a task. They happen right after a task ends. So right after your commute to work, right after you get out of a meeting, right after you hang up the phone. And there's that moment of thinking, oh, wait, what, what do I, what's on my agenda? What am I supposed to do? Who am I? <laughs> Um, they also happen, and this one's a bit of a surprise, they happen after we've been interrupted. Mm. If you're anything like me, you absolutely hate being interrupted. It's incredibly frustrating, and when the person finally leaves, all you want to do is get back to work at what you were doing so that you can make up for the lost time. But actually, I don't know about you, but I sometimes get started on the wrong thing. In fact, often enough, that those interruptions can really rescue you. So if you recognize it as a decision point that they've created, then you can step back and say, wait a second, what would be most important right now? And I'll bet you that, uh, you know, more than 50% of the time, it's actually going to be something different than what you were doing. So really from what I'm hearing from you is at the end of the day, it's hard for us to, especially when we're focused on tasks, to uh, focus on more than one thing at a time and be effective. And right when we get back from break, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. I want you to have the opportunity to share where people can get your book. Uh, this is Nathan Mitchell. We're here with Dr. Josh Davis on Leading with Purpose Empowering Talk Radio. We will be right back after this short commercial break. Please stay with us. Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio, and your host, 
Nathan R. Mitchell returns after this short break. Are you ready to start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious and get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Jirasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's paying it forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Jirasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on Doginet.com. Are you wanting to get better business results, better leadership skills faster? Then this is where you need to be. Welcome back to Leading with Purpose with Empowerment Coach and Founder of Clutch Consulting, Nathan R. Mitchell. With more of today's insight for effective leadership, host Nathan R. Mitchell. Hey, welcome back to Leading with Purpose Empowering Talk Radio. I am your host, Nathan Mitchell. Before we get back to our interview with Dr. Josh Davis, author of Two Awesome Hours, I would like to invite all of you listening in to tonight's broadcast to subscribe to my free monthly email newsletter. You can do that by simply visiting me at www.clutchconsulting.net to sign up for your free subscription today. And with that, Josh, I'd like to welcome you back to the show. Before we continue our discussion, I'd like to give you an opportunity uh, to promote your book. And for those who are listening in to tonight's broadcast, what's the easiest place for them to get a hands-on copy? Oh, yeah. Thank you. So uh, if you go to twoawesomehours.com, there are links to uh, any of your favorite stores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Indie Books, uh, there's a link to buy in bulk for your company uh, at 800 CEO Reads, where I recently made their business bestseller list. Um, and, of course, you can just go directly to Amazon, uh, and that's uh, it's Amazon UK as well. And the translations into Japanese and uh, complex Chinese have already come out, if those are languages you speak. Um, but so uh, if you just want one destination, twoawesomehours.com, and you can find on there links to contact me. You can read uh, an excerpt from the book um, and, uh, and also look at other uh, offerings that I have. 
Well, first of all, congratulations on uh, on the 800 CEO read and and your award and being in the in the top uh, top sales and, and and on that website. That's a great honor. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, listen. Uh, before the commercial break, you were talking about us running on autopilot. It's hard for us to focus on two tasks at the same time. And the the example that really stuck out in my head is. You're talking about somebody sitting down at a computer and somebody else walks into the room and they begin talking and it's hard hard to focus on the two things at once. But, you know, we, we've heard so much throughout the course of our life about this idea of multitasking. I mean, is, is multitasking, at, is it a myth at the end of the day? I mean, is what you're talking about entirely different? Multitasking is a myth. Um, that is, we can do two tasks at once. And some people are better than other people at it, but everybody has a performance decrement. Um, you'll perform worse and you'll remember less well what you were doing uh, for both tasks that you were doing. What's happening is you're rapidly switching back and forth. It's like being distracted. It was. It's like trying to, uh, let's use the example of writing and somebody walking in to interrupt you. It's as though that person was walking in to interrupt you every two seconds. You know, for the whole time that you're going, in terms of what's happening in your brain, it's it's uh, um, multitasking is a is has been shown pretty reliably now to be uh, something that's going to interfere with performance. Which right. it just doesn't work with how we work. You know, one of your strategies in your book is is to stop fighting uh, distractions. So this is a, this is a great segue here. How can we get better at directing our attention, and how can an increased understanding of how our brain works keep us from getting distracted and ultimately back on track to focusing on those things that are important. Yeah, so this is kind of a fun one. Uh, you know, our attention systems are not designed to stay focused, to keep us focused indefinitely. They're designed instead to pick up on what's changing. They're actually specifically there so that we can detect changes in the environment so that we can pick up on something novel or threatening or rewarding or, you know, something that has importance, especially social information, because anything social is so, so relevant to us, so if it pertains to another person. But, but our attention systems will shift, and we should expect that. So if you've ever been sitting and trying to work and, you know, maybe 15 minutes goes by and you're, you just start to drift, at that point, at that point, it's so tempting to just want to beat yourself up and say, stay focused, stay on task, what's wrong with you, right? And I think we've all tried that at some point, and it doesn't work. You know, we've, we've, uh, you've tried it enough, point, enough times now in your life. I'm going to suggest that you really gave it a, you know, a good, a good, the good old college try, and it just didn't work. So, so there are other things that we can do so when that happens. Now, one of the more common things to do when that happens is to say, okay, well, I need a break. I'm going to have a little fun or I'm going to do something worthwhile. I'll check my email or I'll go shopping online or read the gossip column or read the sports page, you know, whatever it is. Something, though, like that is going to continually have novel pieces of information. It's going to keep grabbing our attention. You know, that good writers and good websites, they're designed to continually keep grabbing our attention. So it's very easy to get lost on autopilot and get sucked into them for a half hour, maybe maybe more. Right. So when we do that, we lose a lot of time. But also, we're actually, we're actually getting in the way of a very important type of processing that we can only get if we give ourselves a few moments to really just let our minds drift. So 
So when you're online or you know checking email or reading the news, you're taking in a lot of information. Uh, there's a lot of new information to process. You have to hold a lot of information in mind. Uh, use what we call in psychology working memory, the the, uh, the information you have to hold on, in line, on, online so that you can work with it. When you're doing that, that blocks mind wandering. And you might be thinking, well, that's okay. Well, who needs to mind wander more? You know, you never really hear that as a complaint like, oh, you know, you, your, your son's great in school, but he doesn't mind wander enough. He doesn't daydream <laughs> enough. Right? But, but in fact, in fact, we should be creating opportunities for it. So when your mind starts to wander, if you stare out the window and just notice the people going by, if you look at the plants in the room, if you look at some art on the wall, if you notice the sounds that may be there, right, that's going to shift your attention so that you're no longer focused on what you were doing, but it's not going to require you to be taking in and processing lots of new information. It's not going to require you to be using working memory, to be holding things in mind. So it's not going to block mind-wandering. In fact, it's going to enable it. You know, who knows where your mind will go in all kinds of crazy places. When mind-wandering happens, then there are a number of benefits. One of them is that we tend to integrate circuits in the brain that are involved with executive functions, like, let's say, staying focused on a goal, uh, and social functions. Usually it's one or the other active. When we mind-wander, those circuits become integrated. So we form connections between them. Another thing with mind-wandering is creative incubation. So if there's something that you've been working on that's a real challenge, needs some creative thought, and it's not just creativity like design work, although that's the case also, but creativity in terms of, you know, the business plan that you're putting together or, you know, what partners you need to forge for a certain project, right? So there's lots of creative work that we're all doing. been working on something like that, if you let your mind wander for a few minutes, and it doesn't need to be more than a few minutes, if you let your mind wander and then come back to it, you're more likely to come up with creative solutions and more of them than if you had spent the whole time working on it. Another thing that comes with mind wandering is it helps us find ways to rethink whatever we're working on, whatever the challenge is, so that we can hold out for something better. It, you know, if, if it's... Uh, You've got a, an offer on the table, and it's less than you want, but, you know, you're, you're afraid to keep waiting and see if you can get more. You know, when you let your mind wander, it becomes possible people get better at kind of rethinking what, they're, what they've got on the table so that they can hold out for, for something better more effectively. And then finally, mind wandering is also useful for what they call autobiographical planning. So helping to sort out how you're going to live your own life, you know, meet your goals, uh, get to, you know, where you want to get to. And people tend to have a, a positivity bias for the future. So it tends to be sorting out in an optimistic way, you know, where we're going. Um, so when minds wander, they tend to wander to the future and think of, and we tend to think about ourselves. So there's lots of very useful background processing happening when our minds wander and we block that, and it's important. It's necessary processing. It's extremely useful. Necessary may be too far, but extremely useful. When we, so, when we do something else to have fun or just be useful, we block that. We don't get to have it. But instead, instead, rather than 
potentially getting lost for a half hour doing something else or an hour. If you let yourself wander, if you let your mind wander when it wants to, and trust that there's value in that, there's a reason it's doing so, and you just stare out the window for a couple of minutes, one thing I love about that is that it gets boring. And so, so you're going to drift back. You'll be back at work far quicker, and the work you'll then be doing will be more effective. You will have made it possible for yourself to be highly productive when you do come back to the work. And so you'll be able to actually, so the, sort of paradoxically, the way to stay on task longer and to stay focused longer is to let your mind wander when it wants to. So is mind wandering, is it very similar to daydreaming? Yeah, it's just another word for daydreaming. So in the work that you do with organizations, do you find, especially those that are in leadership roles or executive-type positions that allow themselves to do this on a quite regular basis, at the end of the day, are they more effective in their jobs or they tend to be more successful in life, more effective in leading other people? That's my take on it. Um, you know, that's not something that I've had the opportunity to collect data on. But if we look at the scientific research on mind-wandering, then it absolutely makes sense that that would be the case because it's helping these people with creativity. It's helping them with planning. It's helping them with integrating their executive and social functions and so on, um, all of which should be key for being more effective. What I do find is that is that when I teach this to people within organizations, um, at leadership levels in organizations, is that they they invariably have reference experiences, you know, and they say, yeah, you know what, I used to, uh, I used to, when I would drive to work, I just kind of let my mind wander, and, and now that I take the subway, I'm, I'm looking at my phone the whole time, or, you right. know, I used to walk up and down the stairs in between meetings, and then we move buildings, and I don't do that anymore, and, and it's just, you know, and, and uh, that was actually really useful processing time, you know, and so we, so, so people often recognize they have these reference experiences and and you know once they have a scientific reason to understand that it wasn't just something that happened to work well that one time you know that it actually fits with how their brains work it's much easier than to say oh you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna do that again on purpose because that's just how brains work and i would like to work with that you know it's, it's very it's it's very different it's much easier to just get on board with that than then if someone's giving you advice and saying you should really try this out. Um, well, Josh, we've got to go to commercial break. We will be right back. This is Nathan Mitchell with Josh Davis on Leading with Purpose Empowering Talk Radio. Leading with Purpose Empowering Talk Radio and your host, Nathan R. Mitchell, returns after this short break. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central, Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's paying it forward with tips, tools, and advice and hard lessons learned. These pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. 
So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central on toginet.com. This is Uncommon Sense for Leaders, a forum for exploring leadership from the intellect, the heart, and the spirit. Whether you're a leader now or aspire to be a leader in the future, you owe it to yourself to learn about the big ideas that have shaped the careers of compelling communicators, masters of influence, and highly effective leaders. Uncommon Sense for Leaders. Tune in to hear thought-provoking ideas on every aspect of leadership. You can expect dynamic discussions with special guests, quick tips you can apply immediately for better results, and the tools you need to take you from where you are to where you want to be as a leader. Are you ready to crack the code for achieving unprecedented results? Then join the host for Uncommon Sense for Leaders, Catherine Carlisi, every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, right here on the All Business Radio Network. Are you wanting to get better business results, better leadership skills faster? Then this is where you need to be. Welcome back to Leading with Purpose with Empowerment Coach and Founder of Clutch Consulting, Nathan R. Mitchell. With more of today's insight for effective leadership, host Nathan R. Mitchell. Hey, welcome back to Leading with Purpose Empowering Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nathan Mitchell. Before we get back to our interview with Josh Davis, author of Two Awesome, Two awesome Hours, I'd like to invite all of you listening into the show right now to connect with me on social media. Just go to leadingwithpurposeradio.com. Josh, welcome back to the show. We've got about 10 minutes left, and there's a couple of things that I want uh, to give you the opportunity to do. First of all, I want to give you the opportunity to talk about uh, the last strategy in your book, and then the other thing I want to give you the opportunity to do is to talk about your upcoming event that you have in October uh, in New York City, about how people can register for that and get involved. Uh, it's about public speaking and, and NLP and how that all relates. But let's let's get back to the nuts and bolts of your book here for just a few moments. The last strategy in your book is to make our workspaces work for us. How do environmental factors play a role in our ability to be productive and or our inability to do so, for that matter? Yeah, that's right. They, they play a role in terms of getting in the way, and they play a role in terms of helping. So, you know, it was very important to me in this book to have everything in the book be something that, that uh, you know, could apply to anyone where it's not like, requires, you know, weeks or months of practice or work or something, you know, to get to that point where, you know, the instant you put the book down, you could start taking advantage of these things. So that's, that was something that I, I was working towards. It was important to me to, to have that be the case, partly because if people are overwhelmed, then you don't want to have to create lots of extra work to be able to take advantage of it, but also because uh, for a very personal reason, my wife is a medical resident, and uh, so she has an extremely full schedule. <laughs> so I wanted her to be able to take advantage of it. So really focused on what are some things that anyone could do in any work environment. Um, so, you know, that does that, – that leads us to a few things that I think – um, are particularly telling, are particularly relevant. They really, they really tap into the attention system. So we were talking earlier about um, how our attention systems are not designed to stay focused. They're designed to pick up on what's changing. Now, some consequences of that are we can think about 
visually what's around us, what sorts of visual distractions are there, and also auditorily what sorts of distractions there are. Now, there are some additional things that have to do with the ways that we move our bodies as well, but I'll start with the, the visual things. Uh, one of the things that is, you know, you may have played with this from time to time, uh, you may have some opinions about it, but I can share with you from a science-based perspective what makes sense. And this is, this is a, the, the cluttered desk, the messy desk. So there was a research study that looked into, you know, why is it that people leave things on desks? And for the most part, it was to remind themselves of something. And if you think about what are we reminding ourselves of, we're, we're reminding ourselves the things we leave are the things that we didn't finish because they were hard or because we didn't know how to do them or they were going to take too long, right? So they're also, every one of them is connected to a person who wants that to happen. You know, sometimes it's just you. Usually it's also some other person that you need to get something to, do something for, or is waiting on what you're producing. And so each time you see it, there's not only the task, which was hard or didn't you didn't know how to do it, you know, or you didn't have the time for it, but also there's that sense of embarrassment or obligation to another person, right? This is precisely the kind of stuff that grabs the attention of a human being. So if you've decided what the most important work is that you're going to do, and you've, you know, you've set yourself up to have two awesome hours of work to really be at your best, one of the worst things you can do for yourself is to sit down at a cluttered desk. So it's to the point where it makes sense that if you're, even if you're not someone who you know, is great at going through all the papers um, you know, and you're not regularly someone who cleans up, just literally stacking it up and putting it out of sight for those two hours is going to make a big difference because then you're not fighting yourself. You're not creating all of these, all of these salient features that are, that are you know, perfectly designed to grab your attention. Another one also is sound. So for most work that we do, silence is better. There's research on this looking at speech, looking at music, looking at white noise. For almost all work, Silence is better. We're just better at it. We're quicker. We're, we're able to stay on track, stay focused more easily, think more clearly. The, the one exception that I did come across in the research was that if there's something, some background noise that makes you feel free of constraints, then that can help with creativity. But it's, it's, it's only when it helps you make, makes you feel free of constraints. But apart from that, the noise. So understanding the importance of limiting noise when you want to be at your best. Now, you don't need to be at your best all the time, and you can't be at your best all the time, but you can be at your best for brief periods when you're doing something really important. For that period, it's worth shutting the door if you can, working from home that morning if you can, uh, if you're going to be in an office space and you can't do either of those things, reserving a room that you can go to where people can't find you as easily, and if you can't do that, having some noise-canceling headphones that you can put on that are going to block it out. And that's going to help also signal to people that this is your time and you're not to be, you know, addressed during that time. So limiting the noise is another thing we can do. And then in terms of movement, uh, something that we can do that where your, your space that you're in can enable the movement. And sometimes this has to do with standing up periodically, uh, sometimes it has to do with kicking back and creating, taking on a, an expansive posture, what we call a power pose, 
You may have seen the Amy Cuddy's TED Talk on power poses. So we know that when people take on an expansive posture, maybe sit back and put their feet up on an ottoman, their hands behind their heads, you know, that kind of big open posture, that primes ideas of power in Western cultures, and that leads people to be a little bit more risk-taking and optimistic. Um, there's even uh, some reason to believe, this needs to be replicated, but some reason to believe that it, it changes your hormone levels, increasing testosterone and decreasing cortisol, which is a profile for men and for women that's been shown to correlate with more effective leadership, um, being uh, you know focused on on winning and at the same time more resilient to stress with that combination of higher testosterone, lower cortisol, relative to others of the same sex, that is. Um, so having the ability in the space you're in to have those expansive movements and having a clear desk actually makes it more possible to spread things out, to have your phone at the far end and your pen at a different far end so that you get incidental expansive movements. The incidental expansive movements have been shown to have the same effect as doing it deliberately. Um, one final thing about the environment is that uh, bright lights, especially cool lighting, lighting that has some of the blue spectrum that mimics somewhat the light of a clear blue sky, makes it easier to concentrate, makes it easier to do certain types of mental tasks that like engineers and designers need to do, mental rotation. Um, so that's very good. If you need to really focus and do that kind of analytical work, then bright light, especially cool lighting, helps. Um, if you can be near a window, that's good. If you can't, then picking up a cool light light bulb is something that can help. And if you can't do that, then just having some bright lighting when you're trying to focus for a little bit. That all of those things are things that should, based on research, make a difference. Well, Josh, we've just got two or three minutes uh, left in the show, and I definitely want to give you an opportunity to talk about your uh, upcoming event in New York City in October. Tell us more about that. Uh, thanks so much. So this is this is a something that I absolutely love doing. It's a workshop on public speaking. That is what it grew out of was that we were recognizing that so many public speaking courses are about getting to a point where you're okay with it. Right. Uh, that is sort of, um, and, and those are useful. I don't want to say that there isn't value in those. But what there wasn't was something that allows you to explore what is it like to, to speak publicly like someone who enjoys it. Um, and for those people who are familiar with NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, one of the things that it's especially good at is helping people to access useful states to ex and to experience different different ways of approaching an idea, um, to explore different belief sets uh, and different mindsets. So what we do in the class, it's based on uh, NLP, it's based on um, neuroscience and psychology research about how we function. And in the class, I share those things, but also really guide people to explore the options that they have when they're up on stage in front of, another, in front of other people, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one kind of a thing, like a sales conversation or whether you're in front of a thousand people, uh, we explore those things. And it's, it's for people ranging from having, you know, 20 years of experience public speaking and loving doing it, who want to hone their skills, to people who are terrified to have a single conversation. So <laughs> I love having a mix uh, in the class. I've done it now four or five times. You can see the testimonials at twoawesomehours.com backslash testimonials. 
you can click a link on two on on twoawesomehours.com. There's a link to go to the website to sign up for the class, or you can go directly to the website, which is nlptraining.com. So NLP, uh, as in uh, Nancy, Larry, Peter, nlptraining.com, and then just click on workshops, and it's the public speaking workshop. We try to price it affordably because it's really about just making enough money to to be able to sustain doing it because because uh, we love doing it. And when I say we, I teach it, and then the the other people being the directors of the NLP Center of New York. Um, so it's a it's a class that is an opportunity to explore how to how to speak publicly in the way that people who really enjoy doing it do so. It's two days, nine to five. Um, testimonials at twoawesomehours.com backslash testimonials. Well, Josh, thank you so much for being on the show this evening. You have just given a wealth of information to to my listeners as well as myself tonight. I know I know family time is important as I'm I'm a husband and, and father of two children myself. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time out of your valuable day to to spend with me and our listeners here on the show. I really do appreciate it. You're very welcome, and I hope that uh, what you're learning from this can help you have more family time and more balance. You bet. Thank you so much for being on the show. Have a great night. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Well, everybody, next week we will be back on Leading with Purpose Empowering Talk Radio. I've got Brian Smith, founder of Ugg Shoes. He will be with me on Tuesday, September 15th at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Have a great evening. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leading with Purpose, Empowering Talk Radio with host Nathan R. Mitchell. To learn how Nathan can help you get better business results and lead you to your full potential faster, visit Clutch Consulting on the web at www.clutchconsulting.net. You can also download episodes of 